Good morning, everyone. With me is Juno Economic Development Council's Brian Holst. And with the kickoff of First Tech coming this Saturday, Brian's brought some guests to tell us about First. Good morning, Kevin. Yeah, I'm really pleased to be here. As you know, at the Juno Economic Development Council, we we work in programs in various areas, one of which is uh, to develop talent. And as part of that, we have a a robust um, science, technology, engineering, and math program that includes a robotics league that we run throughout the entire state of Alaska. We're super proud of of, of that program. And today, yes, I have two guests that I, I want them to do all the, all the talking. Um, Michael Wittig, who has a, been a volunteer with the program for the past 12 years um, here in Juneau, which is really remarkable. The program um, relies on volunteers, and Michael is a, an outstanding example of that. Really appreciate him being here, but also his many years of, of support. And then Craig Fox. Uh, Craig is new to Juno. He is an AmeriCorps member, and so he is uh, giving a year of service um, to our community. And he's doing that uh, through our organization, supporting um, STEM education, the robotics program specifically. Well, welcome, Craig. It's nice to be here. And 12 years, Michael? 12 years is a long time, uh, but uh, I enjoy the program. I believe in the program, and it's good to see uh, the kids coming up through it. So why don't you go ahead and tell us about FIRST. What is it, and how... Tell us a little bit more about the invol- your involvement, Michael. First, it's an acronym, isn't it? There's an actual, and I don't even know <laughs> what the acronym I've been doing this for 12 years, and I believe in the program. But tell me, Craig, what is the acronym? Stand so for? the acronym is uh, FIRST for Inspiration and Recognition of Science and Technology. Yes. And uh, there are several different programs in it. Uh, there is the Explore program, as was mentioned, uh, the K through three set. There is the uh, Challenge set, which goes between uh, fourth grade and eighth grade, which is actually two sub programs in a way because there are the elementary school teams and then there are the middle school teams uh, and never the twain shall meet. Uh, and then of course there is the FTC program and the high school level, which kicks off this week. So, Craig, uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so um, on Saturday, the FTC teams from all over the state and actually all over the world uh, will get together in various locations uh, and kick off their competition. So uh, this year, I believe we have uh, three kickoffs going. Uh, We'll have one here locally in Juneau um, and then two out in the Anchorage area, as well as a virtual one for all the teams around the state to participate in. So what does the season timeline look like uh, going past the kickoff? So after the kickoff, uh, they'll start building, programming, um, and just anything else uh, needed to make their robot work. And competitions will happen uh, at various times depending on what region they're in, but typically November and December is when most of um, the Alaskan competitions will happen. Um, If they do very well, then in January, they'll go to uh, the state championships. And if they do well at that, then in April, they'll go go to the world championships, which is down in Houston, Texas this year. Well, who's our teams? Uh, So here in Juneau, um, both of the high schools have FTC teams going. Um, But there's throughout Alaska, there's... um, plenty of teams in both the the big cities of Anchorage and Fairbanks, as well as many smaller communities actually have teams as well. 
Craig is new to Juno. There are three high schools in Juno: Thunder Mountain High School and Juno Douglas High School. Both have teams that have competed. They've been very successful teams. They've competed for uh, state titles as well. Uh, there is not a team at Yakuski Dakahiti, but if there was an interested group of parents and teachers and kids, they could also happen. So there could be one. There could be one, absolutely. And it's that interested parents and teachers that is the real key to making this program work. We need adults who are interested, who are willing to step forward and get into this program. Uh, a lot of our elementary and middle and our middle schools are shy of teams. We never fielded a team at Floyd Dryden last year because there weren't, wasn't an adult willing to step forward. Uh, a lot of the elementary schools, it's kind of hit and miss whether a parent is willing to become a coach. Uh, we can't expect or rely on the teachers to do that kind of work because it's outside of their normal hours. It's it's something they're already putting a lot of effort in at the schools, and to ask them to do more is is a little bit extreme. So uh, adult volunteers really need to step up and say that, yes, we're willing, we believe in the robotics programs, we see the benefits that it has for the kids, and there is a great benefit, especially when it comes to teaching the kids the concepts of teamwork and cooperation. In FLL, they call it cooperation. And I was chatting with you a little bit before the program about the cost of making one of these robots. I know it kind of varies between the first technical challenge with the high schoolers and the Lego challenge with the elementary and middle schoolers. Could you tell us a little bit about that? At the Lego level, it's very economical for the schools to field the team. Even private individuals can field the team uh, because the total cost is the registration and the regional qualifier, which is, what, uh, less than $300 last I knew. Yeah. Um, And so even if you get T-shirts for the team, buy pizza, things like that, it's less than a $500 buy-in. The Legos are reused from year to year, so once you have a supply, you're in good shape. And the Juno Economic Development Council has been very proactive in acquiring these robots in a quantity uh, necessary to be able to loan them out to the schools and to other organizations like the Girl Scouts, the Boy Scouts, whoever it may be. Uh, uh, Last year, the Spike Prime was Lego's brand new robot. And this year, uh, JEDC has a fleet of them all ready to be handed out to the schools if we can field the teams. So the rest of the Legos are already there. The, The economic investment is not great to get these teams up and rolling. But the time investment by the adult volunteers that we need, uh, that uh, it's not free, uh, but of course nobody pays for that sort of thing either. We just do what we can. And, and again, make those resources available. I just feel like Michael gave me an opportunity to thank uh, a couple of our, our larger sponsors. Alaska Airlines supports the program throughout the entire state, um, as does Alaska 529, which is the college savings program. GCI also provides it. But then we also have all sorts of, uh, we have raffles and the things that every other um, school activity has and, and local sponsors that contribute to make make it possible. In, in other words, in the end, um, having financial resources, there is no barrier to participating. Um, we have way, means of being able to help a team that is, um, that if money was the, was the obstacle, we can help remove that obstacle. But money is not the obstacle. Uh, The obstacle, as far as uh, Lego robotics is concerned, is getting more parents to become active and go to their schools and say, hey, I'd be willing to help coach a team. 
And for those uh, adults who do step forward and say that, then I have offered my services. Um, I, uh, to any school that fields a team that wants technical assistance, I tell them, yeah, I'm available for an afternoon a week if I'm not already committed to another school. Uh, give me a call and I'll start coming down. Uh, and that way, even new coaches have the ability to uh, have somebody on hand with programming and mechanical experience in these things. Mm. Now, for the competition, the theme is energize. Uh, what? Tell us the role that will play into the competition. Yeah, so every year they uh, first pick some sort of theme. Like you said, this year it's Energize. And they kind of incorporate this into every aspect of the program. So for the FLL teams at the game, all the challenges are related to that theme. So you'll have little models of wind turbines, um, oil wells, anything else related to energy. This year there's even a miniature uh, TV that you can make pop up. Uh, they, the FLL teams also have to do a project uh, relating to innovation in that field. So what that can mean is pretty broad. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what the teams come up with, but it could be anything from uh, new ways of uh, storing energy to how to transport it to how to use it more efficiently. So FIRST does a very good job of integrating that theme into every component of the program. And you had mentioned that there's various different kinds of bots. What objectives do they need to complete? I, I take it the same battle bots. So <laughs> it is not as fun as that would be. <laughs> there is usually around um, 15 different um, challenges or missions that they call them on the field at the time. And the students have uh, two and a half minutes to complete as many as possible. Um, and each of those challenges usually has the same basic components. It involves like lifting things up and moving them or you know pushing things in. Um, but what the specifics are can vary pretty immensely. So like I said, it could be like pushing something to make a TV pop up. It could be uh, moving like these little uh, fuel cells into uh, different locations to power trucks or anything else. Um, so it, it'll be a whole range of uh, tasks. And what does that look like for Lego League? Well, it's the same thing. It's the 15 tasks, and I think that's what you were saying when you said the 15, yeah. uh, in which they do have two and a half minutes. Uh, the kids have built these robots. They have designed them, and they have designed accessory attachments to put on the robots so that they can do the tasks assigned to it. Uh, and it has to be fully autonomous. Uh, the only time that a, uh, a team member can touch the robot is if it is in the launch area or in the home area. But once they have set it to launch and it crosses the line onto the playing field, then that robot has to go completely off of the programming that the kids have uh, put into it, uh, meaning that they need to know how far it's going and what direction, when to turn, when to do its, all of its other actions. And so it's that process of, it's, it's learning how to process information. Uh, they're learning to do a sequence, and they're learning how to do this as a team. Uh, we've got these kids, and especially at the elementary and middle school levels, a lot of times these kids have never been a part of a team before, and it's not like they each have their own little robot to hold in their hands. Instead, they are a team of up to 10 kids, and they all must work with the same machine and cooperate in switching out between the different tasks and switching off team members to do different, different challenges on that board and doing it all within two and a half minutes. Uh, it can be 
rather fun to watch uh, every year, and well, that's why I'm there pretty much every year. <laughs> and the spike is ready, right? I think it is. I'm going to take a look at the first one today. I haven't actually put my hands on a spike yet, but today I will. Well, if there's somebody who is listening and saying, man, I'd like to be a part of that, either a volunteer or a participant, how can they? There are two easy ways. Um, Contact your school. Any principal will be more than happy to put you, actually, and they'll put you in touch with Allison Cooper over at the JEDC because she spearheads this entire program Uh, And she has been instrumental in getting me here down here today and in getting the spikes on order and getting them here for the competition. So, yeah, Allison is our go-to person uh, along with Craig here this year. Uh, And so uh, either contact the schools or contact JEDC, but please contact them. (laughs) And before we go to a break here, Craig, I wanted to ask you, because I've seen AmeriCorps folks around Southeast as of late, could you just take a moment to tell us about that program. Sure. So AmeriCorps is a national service program. um, And what exactly each member does is vastly different. So there are people um, out in the forests, building trails or preventing forest fires. And then there are people like me working with organizations like the JDC. Um, But really, it's just a national service program. Uh, Typically, it's a one-year commitment. And you go to a different community and you help to uh, develop that community in various ways. And before the program, we were chatting a little bit about it. It seems like a lot of folks choose to stay here. That is true. Yeah, just from my personal experience of other members I've met, a lot of former AmeriCorps members end up staying in Juneau. Mm. Well, very good. Well, thank you both for being here. Is there anything you'd like to add before we go to a break? Uh, come on down in December. December uh, do we have December seventeenth is what it's looking like. This is the regional qualifier, and uh, this year they don't have Centennial Hall, no. so it's going to be uh, either at the Zonakahini or or some. Oh other yeah, it'll be under renovation. Yeah. Right, Juno okay. Douglas High School is, is uh, what we have. Yeah, excellent. All right. Well, hey, and there's kickoff too. So yes, this Saturday, um, and that will be at Thunder Mountain. Okay. Well, and the public is welcome to come. So if you just want to cheer on and, and learn about the program, you're not going to be cheering much on. You're going to be learning about the program because <laughs> it's the kickoff. But it's uh, yeah, if kids are interested in uh, learning more, it's a great great place to learn a lot about the program. Oh, very good. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll be back after this. We're back with the Juno Economic Development Council. Brian's still here with us. He's lost his guests, though, but that's okay. We're going to keep going. So, Brian, I saw that the full paper is out on short-term rentals. Uh, Share that with us. Thanks. It was meant to be a research note. It's a brief uh, report. It ends up being uh, uh, 20-some pages now. Uh, It's a lot of good information for our community, and and we know that our our leaders are, are assembly uh, members and the uh, CBJ are looking at this issue. What is the impact of short-term rentals? And and again, just to remind folks is is you know the question that we posed ourselves is is basically why do we continue to experience this worsening affordability and availability of housing when we have added we've added fourteen hundred new units in the last twelve years, and how could that poss- be possible that it seems like we're not solving this problem? Mm-hmm. And what the data sa- shows us is that. While there are indeed short-term rentals, right, rentals that are are less than a month that um, do take out some housing, 
it's relatively small. What we're really seeing are, are two demographic phenomena that are just showing the demand for housing in our population is growing despite a small growth in population. So in the last 10 years, we've added about 1,000 people in Juno's population. But what we've also added, though, is, is um, that many more seniors and um, an even larger number of people 20 to 40 years old. So while... So in our schools, and you were on the school board, mm. you know, we're, we're seeing across the nation this sort of um, decreasing number of K-12 students. But what's happening is that seniors in Juneau are staying in place. They, they want housing, continue staying housing. But we're also seeing more adults in, in, in Juneau. And in this uh, report, we're also seeing some national trends. What happened during the pandemic was that um, this happened nationally. It's hard to really tell the data here locally, but nationally, what we, we do have data that shows that um, uh, young people like Craig, who used to live in, when they're younger, lived in um, apartments and shared um, two or three, four people in, into, into apartments, you know, not, not overcrowding, but, but living together, that reduced dramatically during the pandemic. People either moved home or lived alone. And as they're emerging from the pandemic, we're seeing that there are more and more individuals that are looking for individual homes versus um, sharing. How long that phenomenon will last? Who knows? But that's also could be a, another another one of many. It's a small dimension, but I, but I wanted to mention that as well. Uh, so it's a series of dimensions that are pushing on decreasing the housing availability, but it's mostly the demographics of Juno. We just have more people, uh, adults in our community that want their own place to live. Looking at the report, from what I read, it appeared that there had already been a number of rentals in Juneau even before the pandemic. Yeah, there's, there's certainly the the last 10 years or so, Airbnb and VRBO have been uh, available. They're just becoming more and more popular, a great alternative. Um, it's great technology. Uh, it allows people that otherwise, you know, wouldn't be able to find somebody interested in renting their place to, to be able to access. So that's a good, a, a good that's uh, come. It's allowed people to participate in, in our tourism economy in Juneau. We're seeing that with Turo, which is a similar product for an app for vehicles. You can rent your own vehicle to people. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's happening. It's accelerating in Juneau. I think the, um, the, the independent traveler um, wants often to stay at a home in a neighborhood versus staying in a hotel. Uh, so there's a lot of demand here in Juneau for uh, short-term rentals. So for somebody that would like to pick up the report, uh, what would you say the executive summary was of, of the report? And well, the executive summary would be that um, short-term rentals contributes to the uh, taking away some housing availability, but it's not the main culprit. The, the main driver of our, of our continued lack of availability and affordability of housing is the high demand that we experience because our senior population continues to grow and stay in Juneau, and we're, we're in our adult population, 20 to 40 year olds, is growing, um, is growing quickly. And there's another report that I was waiting for the 2022 version of the economic indicators report. Uh, what's the word on that? So you should be able to uh, go to our, our, our website later today and uh, download a copy. But yes, our annual indicator report um, is, is available to the public. And there are several trends that we're seeing. Uh, 
It is it, it captures all of 2021 and a little bit of 2022, depending on when the data comes out. So it's looking mostly backwards. Uh, but we are, we see some trends that we like a trend that we're not happy about is that for the ninth straight year, we have lost state employment here in Juneau again. And that's uh, that's a, you know, whatever you think of uh, of state government and the right size of it or not, um, losing those jobs in Juneau um, in the capital city, it's hard on us as a community. We need those jobs, uh, you know, support families and nine st- years in a row of losing state jobs is that's not positive. Is there any positive trend? There are positive trends. <laughs> well, <laughs> there are there's some positive elements that we can see, aspects we see about Juno. It continues to be one of the um, best educated communities um, in our in our state. We're re- relatively affluent. Uh, Juno is. We're seeing like other parts of the U.S. We're seeing um, the top five percent, fifteen percent of our wealthiest get wealthier than the rest of the population. So we're, we're, we're not immune to the um, uh, wealth concentration that, that, that is occurring across America. But relative to the rest of America, we have a fairly uh, good um, income distribution here in our community. Uh, you know, we're seeing the, the senior population continue to grow. We expect it to be almost a quarter of our population um, in the next, next five years. And I think it is good that they are choosing generally to stay in Juneau because that means families uh, you know, are together. We're seeing we will see 1.1 million um, tourists this summer coming off of cruise ships. And that's uh, almost to what we were in 2018, not quite to where we were in 2019. So that industry has has recovered very nicely. And I think maybe one other um, statistic is, yeah, we, we continue to see the, the strength of like the mining sector. Those are really well-paying jobs that um, uh, both of our active mines uh, continue to to operate, pay well, uh, great contributors to um, our, our community and our well-being here in, in Juneau. Now, before we go, I wanted to just also check in about the Juneau, uh, the Junior Achievement Award. Yeah, Junior Achievement, is this is a program in our schools to help um, teach uh, market economy. We're looking for volunteers. Like Michael Wittig said, volunteers are critical to uh, so many of these programs, especially in our schools. Uh, we specifically need some volunteers for the middle school. If you, if you want to, um, uh, Economics for Success is, is a class that we teach in our in our middle schools. And they, we have some middle school teachers that are very interested in the program. And so to volunteer, you know, contact us at JEDC. It, the commitment is, to give an example, it would be an hour and a half over six weeks, an hour and a half um, per week. And the, and the scheduling is super flexible. You do it with, uh, you work with a teacher, so it's not the same day every, it's whatever works for you and the teacher together. So there's some flexibility. So uh, if you can commit to you know six weeks, an hour and a half over the next semester, uh, let us know and we'll we'll get you a link to a uh, a classroom in one of our middle schools. All grades are available, but we specifically need some middle school volunteers. Well, great. Well, thank you for being on the program, Brian. Thank you, Kevin.